The CAA, they've released their annual list of the worst roads. This is always a fun list to look over because, of course, first and foremost, you're looking for your city. They take into account things like congestion, potholes, poorly timed traffic lights. And if you're listening to us on CHML in Hamilton this afternoon, well, congratulations. Give yourselves a round of applause because Barton Street East in Hamilton has been named the worst, the worst road on the CAA's list this year. Toronto, by the way, four streets in the top 10. Here is award-winning automotive journalist Lorraine Sommerfeld from Driving.ca, who joins us now to discuss this list. Lorraine, good afternoon. How you doing, Jeff? Yeah, I'm well, thanks. Uh, Toronto, as I just mentioned, with nearly half the roads on this list. Does that, do you think, Lorraine, speak as much to a particular city and planning and maintenance as it does just to these individual roads? All of the above. <laughs> I don't think you can discount any one thing. And I think the last few years, we all know budgets have been squeezed tighter and tighter. But you also have to look at, especially Spartan Street, the huge trucks that use that as a throughway. And the weight of vehicles is also going up and it's taking a toll on our roads. What makes a road the worst, in your opinion? When you look at the different factors, as I mentioned just a, a moment ago, and you mentioned the condition of the pavement or the road, uh, congestion, uh, traffic lights, is there one factor that stands out amongst those that uh, really contributes to a road being one of the worst? Well, personally, like this is anecdotal, but you, you know there's going to be congestion. You know what the lights are like. You're going to have to stop. When you get nailed with a huge pothole that wasn't there the day before and does damage, that's going to make me more upset, I think, than pretty much all those other things, because at least those things I can see coming. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, the, the pothole issue is a significant one, because how many times have you been kind of just jolted, right? You're just traveling along, and they're particularly difficult to see, at night, in the dark, or I find when it's uh, raining as well, like a day like today. Oh, especially if they're filled up. And because they, they can happen overnight, because pavement responds to heat and cold and changes can happen really quickly. So even if, you know, crews have been out there fixing something, it can be messed up again overnight. I hit one on Main Street in Hamilton a couple of years ago. It was in front of Mac. I thought I tore the front end of my car off right. and, I am, and I'm a pretty cautious driver. I'm looking ahead. I'm not up someone's butt, but you mentioned rain can be a bad thing, especially when there's a lot of reflection at night, but also leaves, um, things can cover up the pothole. So to me, I want to see the idiot ahead of me and see what I want to see what happens to them. <laughs> which is just another good reason not to follow too closely. Yeah. Tell me about potholes, though. I mean, I know crews are working hard to try to, you know, stay, I was going to say stay ahead, but that's almost uh, impossible just to get to as many as they uh, possibly can. But do you know, Lorraine, do we do enough when it comes to the asphalt that we are using right now? Uh, because I, I've read uh, where there are some municipalities and uh, places around the world that are using, I guess, a better quality of pavement or, or asphalt that's a little more resistant to those temperature fluctuations. I think it's like everything else in life. You do it around your house, too. You can do it right the first time and it costs more. Right. Or you can continually do it. And sometimes you get sold a bill of goods. What you pay a lot of, a lot of money for doesn't turn out to be the best. But you pay now or you pay later. And the problem with potholes and bad road conditions is it's not just the cost of the road. It's the cost of damage to the vehicles that are using that road. 
All right, let's talk. Uh, let's move from potholes and talk congestion a little bit too, because as I mentioned a second ago, a lot of this also has to do with uh, city uh, planning. I know uh, Hamilton with again the uh, number one worst road on the list this year, Barton Street East. They are renowned for their one-way uh, streets and kind of almost a grid driving. Is there a, a better solution or a better way to uh, structure roads and driving? Are we doing the best we can? to limit congestion as much as we can? Um, no, and I think the fatalities on our roads are a really clear indicator of that, especially in Hamilton. It's absolutely not acceptable. Our roads are incredibly dangerous. And I think sometimes people, I mean, you know, it's a contentious idea talking about one-way roads and, you know, they're quick. That's great. But honestly, my kids live in Hamilton. And when I'm on Barton or when I'm on Maine or King coming back, you've got is it five lanes. But because vehicles are so much bigger, when those lanes were built, they were wide enough for a normal-sized car. But now I'm sitting there feeling like this little tiny weird thing in a hatchback with all these big vehicles around me, as well as construction vehicles and work vehicles. So I think the landscape has to change because the people using that landscape has changed. And a lot of diehards aren't factoring that in. And if it takes you a little longer to get where you're going, but people get to live, and, pe- and vulnerable road users have to be put first. Pedestrians have to be the safest people, not the least safe. And we're going the wrong way. We're absolutely going the wrong way. That is a, a great point. Also want to talk to you about uh, traffic uh, lights, poorly timed uh, traffic lights. Is there something that we can be doing there? Because uh, I know that, uh, listen, technology, it's growing by leaps and bounds, it seems, in every area of our lives. Yet uh, for a lot of cities and a lot of roadways, we just can't, uh, for whatever reason, get these lights synced up or timed properly. Well, I think sometimes it depends on what the outcome is they're looking for. I live in Burlington, and there is no worse city for the timing of lights. It takes me half an hour to get to my sister who lives across town. Burlington's not that massive. But the timing of lights in this city is terrible, and it's noted for it. It always has been. In Hamilton, they're noted for if you hit one just right, you're flying. That's not good either. Neither is good. Having people, you know, be speeding to make sure they hit them is bad. Having aggravated drivers is also bad. I Traffic circles, little traffic circles awesome idea. Um, We don't factor those in. They take up more space. A lot of people can't figure out how to use them. But small traffic circles, like Kitchener-Waterloo has got this figured out in a lot of ways. Our planners should be looking at ways to reduce um, four-way stop when there's no one else there, and also ways to keep pedestrians and cyclists safe at the same time. So there are innovations going on around the world. We have to look to them there's got to be some political will to put them in place. Yeah. Do we believe that this is just all down to money? I mean, when you talk about something like uh, roundabouts, we're talking about maybe restructuring some major roadways. Uh, obviously, you can factor those into uh, new roads that you're building. But uh, even the technology of having uh, better synchronized uh, lights or lights that uh, uh, I've read studies, uh, Lorraine, that uh, lights are now available. The technology is that can uh, sense the traffic flow and adjust accordingly. Well, I mean, we've got evidence of this in like Jolly Cut and on Jarvis in Toronto with different times of day. Same with the bridges in Vancouver that, you know, they add a lane depending on which way the traffic's flowing. I think there's a lot of innovative things that can be done. I think we could get really creative, but we're increasingly ending up in political log jams when it comes to change. And I think we could be creative And it doesn't always have to be about a lot of money. It has to be about listening to outside ideas and giving them a chance. But we're 
becoming so polarized, everyone's digging in their heels about everything. It's like having a little kid argue with you about everything. And at some point, we have to push that aside and say, do we want to move forward and have safer cities, better cities, more productive cities for all of us? We have to start giving a damn about each other, not just ourselves. All right. We got to leave it there. And uh, you know what? I have a feeling we're adding to the frustration of many listeners in their cars right now who are probably sitting in traffic and in congestion. And here we are talking about uh, ways we can uh, fix it and the political will uh, not being shown to (laughs) have it done uh, as of yet. Lorraine, much appreciated as always. Thank you so much for this. Thanks. Lorraine Sommerfeld, you can read her at driving.ca. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.